Welcome to Believing the Bible with Scott Lane and Terry Reed of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association with a message of hope in today's troubled world based on biblical truths. We hope that today's program is enlightening and inspirational. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed, Dr. Cara Williams, our producer Ed Salzadel, all directors at the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. We are here to reassure you you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. Again today, we have with us the special guest of Dr. Daniel Harris, an original board member with SAPSA, and he's an astronomer. One of the things we're going to do today, Daniel, is we're going to ask you about certain parts of Scripture and what you see there as it relates to your field. And let's start at the start of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What do you see there? Simplicity. He doesn't make it difficult for anybody. I believe that the Lord, who is the legitimate witness to what happened at the creation, communicates effectively to us exactly what he did. He created time. Yes. Now, the interesting thing about that is that you can't have time without space, and you can't have really space without time. So you have to create space and time together, even though we will not become Einsteinian about it. And at the same time, that matter is necessary in order for you to know where things are. So matter is necessary in order for you to have time as well. So you, all these things have to be coordinated, and it seems like the way he presents it, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, one of the things I've noted in my book, as well as other people have noted, is that in that first verse, you have a considerable amount of pre-science. Yes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes. Not only is time started, because you have a beginning to everything, a beginning to the universe, you also have all matter and energy being created at that point, and you have the fabric of space coming into existence. And you have multiple spaces, because you have the creation of the space for the angels, which is necessary as well, Uh, not just space for us. You see even more there. Let's shift to another set of scripture. Job 38, 7. While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Is that just poetry? No, I will say that there really are angels and they do shout for joy because after all, they are in presence of the one who is holy, 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 holy. And when you're in the presence of the one who is holy, there will be a joy, and they will shout for joy. Okay, now that's about the angels. What about the stars? Do they actually sing? Well, they vibrate, that's for sure. We know that stars vibrate. In recent times, astronomers have studied the sun and its sonic vibrations. Typical vibrations are on the order of a time scale of five minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes as short as less than a minute. And these vibrations extend into the gas that leaves the sun called the solar wind. And so I can assure you there are sounds that are coming from all the stars. They may not be sounds that you can hear with your ear because your ear hears only higher frequencies. But you could do this with radio telescopes. Let's expand that beyond stars. Are there pulsars as well as sounds that come off of planets themselves? Well, pulsars, very good point. These are spinning neutron stars, and they spin with various speeds. The the one that I'm most familiar with in the Crab Nebula spins with a period of 30 cycles a second, which is something that you could actually hear with your ear. And when the astronomers at the University of Arizona, where I was, actually measured the pulsating signal coming from the Crab Nebula pulsar, you could hear it. And so this scripture is not just poetry. No, the Lord, when he says things, he has multiple meanings always. He always tells us something that is true in the physical and true in the spiritual. 
Excellent. Isaiah 45, 18 says the earth was formed to be inhabited. Is there any evidence for that? Well, obviously, it has the right temperature, the right axis tilt inclination to make the seasons what they need to be. It's the right distance from the sun in order to have the right amount of heat. It is connected to a moon, which maintains the axis tilt and causes tides, which circulate the ocean so that the oceans don't become stagnant pools of nastiness and so on. There's so many different things that that are designed. The atmosphere is transparent, which is wonderful. So we can see the stars and we can see the galaxies. We can see what's out there, which many planets in the solar system, their atmospheres are not transparent. And so you wouldn't be able to see. And so there's so many different aspects of God's creation of our planet and its environment and its connection to the sun and so on. It's wonderful that the sun happens to be a goodly distance away from the nucleus of the galaxy, where supernovas are going off on a fairly frequent basis, which means that we are protected from the high-energy radiation coming from supernovas. It's wonderful that we are between the arms in the spiral, in our spiral galaxy, that we are between the arms and therefore, again, far away from likely sources of supernova explosions. So from your observations as an astronomer, it does not appear that we just happily be in, are in the accidentally right place, that it's all just some grand coincidence. Well, it's an extremely, extremely, extremely improbable coincidence if it is, because you have each one of those factors is improbable, and when you multiply them together, it becomes absurd that the Earth is in its present situation by just chance. So it looks designed. It looks very well designed. Uh Dr. Ayers, you mentioned the present situation and how everything is just as it needs to be to sustain life here on Earth. But according to the Darwinists, this has been going on for three billion years. How long as an astronomer and knowing what you know about stars, how long would you expect that to actually happen? Well, the astronomers admit that the sun, by its orbit in the galaxy, is supposed to pass through a spiral arm twice every 250 million years. So every 125 million years, we're supposed to pass through a spiral arm and be exposed to supernova explosions. So we should have a number of supernova explosions that have happened in the last few billion years. And so those supernova explosions should have have sterilized Earth and there shouldn't be anybody here which is a problem for evolutionary theory. You're listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot org. Today, we're talking with uh, Dr. Daniel Harris, one of our original board members, an astronomer, and getting his reaction to several scriptures in the Bible with regards to astronomy. Jeremiah 33, 22. Even the number of stars of heaven cannot be counted, and the sand of the sea cannot be measured. So too the descendants of David. Now, interestingly, this idea is also communicated in Genesis 15.5. The same claim of the innumerable amount of stars are compared to Abraham's seed. Now, the interesting thing about this is at the time that these things were written into the Bible, in about 1,014.05 B.C., they thought they had a good handle on the number of stars that they could see with the naked eye. They had a counted number of about 3,000. How did the Bible know that the number of stars was so big that no human being could count it? 
Well, actually, the number counted at that time was about 6,000. Okay. 3,000 right. in each hemisphere. Right, right. So if you had a total of 6,000 stars, that's something that you and I would not have a whole lot of difficulty counting. But God obviously knew how many stars he had created because he had created hundreds of billions of galaxies and each one of those having hundreds of billions of stars. He knew that the number was very large. And if you actually calculate the number of stars in the universe, it does turn out to be comparable within a few orders of magnitude to the number of sand grains on the beaches of the Earth. That was a research you did that I found fascinating because I hadn't heard that elsewhere. Oh, it's, the number is reasonably close. So the problem, the, the point is that God says, okay, the number of sand grains on the Earth and the number of stars are comparable numbers. Now, there's no way that any of the people at the time he said that would have understood that, but we now understand that it's true. Mm -hmm. It has been said, especially by Carl Sagan and others, that our sun is just a very average laundry garden variety star with no special attributes whatsoever. We live in a very non-special planet in a very non-special place. What is your reaction to that kind of stuff? Well, now that we've actually looked at stars in the vicinity of our sun and been able to look at a reasonable distance to sample other stars that are similar to our star, we find that the sun is a very extraordinary star in that it does not have major eruptions. Most of the stars that are like our sun, if you watch them long enough, will have major catastrophic eruptions of high-energy radiation, what we would call giant solar flares. Giant solar flares are very common on stars like the sun, but our sun has never displayed a giant solar flare comparable to the ones that we see on other stars. The closest it has come is a major solar flare that happened in the mid-1800s, and that was still not comparable to what other stars do. Now, in terms of location in the galaxy and, and so on, our sun is in a very special location. As I said, it's between the spiral arms. It is at a place that is ideal for us to be looking out and seeing what's going on in our galaxy and in other galaxies. So you find our star to be a very specially designed one for us. Exactly. It, yeah. it is an extremely improbable that our sun would be the way it is unless it was done so by design. Thank you, Dr. Harris, for these insights. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletter. Our website has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter to be emailed to you or you can call us. Also go to whyshouldyoubelieve.com. That is Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. Sabsa meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. We are now meeting at Faith Lutheran Church just south of the corner of Jones Maltzberger in Thousand Oak. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you miss any part of this show, you can listen to this show anytime by going to the AM 630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR Podcast, scroll down until you find Believing the Bible. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. I'm Scott Lane, and for Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salzville, thanks for listening, and we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.